What's up, everyone? It's the Lob, the Jam, the podcast coming to you as always with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I am doing pretty well after a weekend with no actual NBA basketball. How are you doing? I am doing well. We don't have a song right now for a moment, but we're going to get one pretty soon. I know you guys are used to that little jazzy intro we used to have, but we'll <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get something pretty soon and hopefully it'll lighten everybody's earbuds. So the Clippers had uh had a weekend pretty much off <laughs> mm-hmm. except for Shea Gilders Alexander. So the Clippers had some games last week. We'll talk about those in a second, but really quick we'll touch on, on some all-star stuff. Shea Gilders Alexander had a pretty nice performance over at the Rising Stars challenge between Team World and uh and Team USA. He was on Team World as a Canadian. He had a nice showing of what, like 15, 6, and 5, 3 steals, mm-hmm. 3 out of 7 threes, 5 out of 10 from the field, um, some nice passes. Really did a lot of ball handling, more than we were even used to as a Clipper, because uh, Team World really only had three real ball handling playmakers between him, uh, Ben Simmons, and Luka Doncic. And Luka Doncic was kind of not entirely into the game he was just messing around a lot ben simmons was into the game but he was into the game early and uh scored most of his points in the first half shay whenever he came in you know he handled the ball quite a bit he played some defense relatively speaking um <laughs> and had a nice game had some nice passes had a nice loop around to luca for a three mm-hmm. uh, had some nice passes inside had a nice and one pass to to deandre eaton had three three-pointers a dunk a putback. Um, it's a lot of a lot of good stuff. Not really much to say. It's a bona fide just scrimmage, even more so than the All Star game, which is kind of a joke in itself. But um, did you see the game, Rob? What, what did you think about the about Shay? Did you even see the game? I don't blame you if you didn't even see the game. Dude. No, I was actually flying back to LA Friday night. I didn't realize in advance. I just booked it on a random Friday night. And then I was just realized, oh, it's the Rising Stars game. Shea is playing. <laughs> and that was really my only thought. <laughs> I yeah. saw some highlights, and I think there was, like, a replay on at some point, and I watched for, like, five minutes. Oh, I saw – you know what? I actually saw a lot of the second half at the airport. I nice. It was so forgettable that I just forgot it. <laughs> it's yeah, been, that's like, three days. totally fair. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he, Shea looked good from from the second half that I saw on just the highlights. I thought he played well. He looked confident. You know, he had some nice passes. He made a few threes. Really, the, him taking seven threes was, was right. probably the only thing that actually stood out. Was He was just kind of chucking like everybody else, and he made three of them. So I like that he, he was shooting without much hesitation, and that's, that's really my only takeaway. It's, the All-Star game is bad, and the Rising Stars is honestly even worse. Like... <laughs> in in the All-Star game, they, like, pretend to play defense. You know, they point out their men, and sometimes they switch, or, you know, every once in a while there's, like, you know, actual semblance of defense. In the Rising Stars, there is nothing. Or they, aggr- remotely they aggressively trap Steph Curry once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The All-Star <laughs> game is, like, you know, 10% effort on defense. Rising Stars is, like, 1%. It's no. so bad. It was really um, bad. Yeah, so it's it's just not very fun. I remember when I was younger, I thought it was a lot of fun. Like I, I'll remember for whatever reason, like John Wall throwing a bounce pass. Ali, Blake. yeah, yeah, it was so sick, and I was that like, was "Wow, awesome. Rising Stars is awesome," and nothing since then has been cool yeah. <laughs> at all. 
Chris um, Weber. Yeah. Chris Chris Weber was saying, "Teach me how to Dougie," and then Kevin Harlan was screaming, "Dance!" <laughs> yeah. As they went to commercial break, very old manly, and uh, it, it was good. I, I remember. I remember. Um, I don't know if Lam- did Lamar who won? Did Lamar win? No, was or was it Francis? The year that Lamar and Francis and Brand were all in it. I'm trying to remember. I bet Francis won it. He I seems th- like the kind of guy who would. Right. I mean, I'm too young to remember, but yeah, Francis is very Trey Youngy, where he would seem like he would try and this kind of thing. He would try, uh, and he has the kind of like explosiveness that would right. make him seem like great. But yeah, I mean, the Rising Stars is you know. It's it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's not stupid. It it makes sense. It's like a good opportunity for them to go out and, you know, hang out with all-stars and some of the best players. That's really what it's for. Like, I hope Shea made some connections, got right. a little bit of recruiting. Uh, I mean, he's he's really too young to be doing much of that. But right. um, it was good for him to be there and get some national recognition. I thought he played pretty well. So, you know, it wasn't an amazing weekend. It's disappointing the Clippers didn't have any other participants anywhere, but Harris is probably their best bet for the three-point contest. I mean, Lou Williams theoretically could have been a candidate for skills, but I mean, I bet they probably offered and he said no. I can imagine Lou just being like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Like, I have better things to do. Yeah, it's totally fair. Um, um, yeah, and then the All-Star game itself, I watched like a quarter of it. Yeah. Due to, due to just boringness. I, I watched the whole game. I was actually at a buffalo wild wings with a buddy and we just had it on in the background mm-hmm. and uh just ate a lot of a lot of wings and uh <laughs> and just had the game on we would i was paying probably paying more attention to it than he was um mm-hmm. but i watched it i mean the Giannis dunk was cool uh it was nice to see Dirk. my highlight of the night was the dirk threes to be honest yeah. at the end of the first quarter that was really really cool and uh that was really it the deep there was nice comeback willard hit some threes um Russell Westbrook was Russell Westbrook, except in the All Star Game, and and Steph Curry was kind of underratedly also Russell Westbrook. So that's pretty much my takeaway. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It's an. It's just not a fun weekend for me. Like a lot of people really like it, but I just I don't enjoy basically any of it. If I had to say one thing that I like usually try to watch, it's the three point contest. I think that's probably and that the was good. That's like the coolest event for me. It's the only one that gets like star players to, and not only to be there, you know, unlike the dunk contest and actually try, like, it seems like they actually kind of care about winning. Um, you know, it's cool. And it's cool to watch really good NBA shooters make a ton of threes. <laughs> right. Uh, like when Steph hit, even though he didn't win, when he hit 10 in a row, yeah, you know, in, in the first round, it was awesome. It was like, I, I wasn't sure if he was going to miss any of them at that right. point. Right, right, right. Um, that's really the only one. I saw like half the dunk contest. Skills challenge is just the most pointless thing. And like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I really have no all star takes. You know, it would have been cool if more Clippers were there to network and recruit and stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm, I'm honestly happy I didn't have to watch too much of it. Yeah. Really, the all star, more than anything, all star weekend just means a really long break from basketball, which sucks for me. Like, I, I, <laughs> I miss the Clippers. Funnily enough, like I miss the Clippers. I'm super excited for the rest of the season. I'm I'm stunned by like how excited I am for the rest of the season, considering they traded their arguably their best player. Probably Gallinari was the best player in the Clippers the, this whole season so far. But Tobias is gone. But I'm super excited for the Clippers, and mm-hmm. um, they did play a couple of games that we didn't cover last week. 
They won um, a game against the amazingly bad uh, Phoenix Suns. <laughs> and then they lost the game to the pretty bad Minnesota Timberwolves, but probably a little bit better than a lot of people realize. Any takes from these games? I mean, Lou Williams was really incredible in that Minnesota mm-hmm. game. But aside from that, the team got a nice start. We got up by, I think, seven in the second quarter and then just went to trash to end that sec- that first half and then got down by as much as like 20. I don't know. I think they were down by like, what's it, 23 or so in the in the second half before they, they almost yeah, it erased 23. it. They almost erased it like immediately after that, before the third quarter even ended. And then they just kind of ran out of juice. They couldn't hit. There were a couple of shots that Lou maybe could have hit. There's a big offensive foul that Lou had mm-hmm. when the Clippers were down by four and he had the ball. But really, the team was never really quite in position to win the game. And credit to the Timberwolves. They hit some big shots. Dario Saric, in in particular, hit some big three-pointers in that fourth quarter. Even Derek Rose hit some big shots, as much as I hate him. Uh, So Jeff Teague uh, was having his way, too, a few times in there. So don't really have too much to say about that game, aside from the fact the Clippers... I think the Clippers are just kind of tired, and there was a lot of new, new faces still, and... This wasn't a very impressive game. What did you think about Tim- that Timberwolves game? It was bad. I mean, yeah. I think going into it, we both were concerned um, about Carl Anthony Towns, which kind of right, proved right. correct. I, yeah. I I always thought that was kind of a trap game. They've they've never played well against him, and they singularly failed to do anything. Zubak was really Zubac destroyed. Zubac, yeah, yeah, absolutely, just left on the floor of Target Center. Uh. Um, I'm surprised Steven was like present for the next game. Like right. I thought he was just curb stomped into the, the remains of that facility. Um, like so minus 100. Yeah. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't that dismayed by it. I saw a bunch of people on Twitter, you know, complaining and like, Oh, you know, this is the Clippers or never. I don't The wolves aren't horrible. You know, they're not great, but they're not bad. It's sneaky. Yeah, after that whole Jimmy Butler thing earlier this year, I think, and they were like six and fourteen at one point. I think since then they've been around five hundred ish. And Towns is really, really good, and he's the kind of guy the Clippers have not been able to guard, and you know, ever. And it just kind of all came together. The offensive rebounding thing was ridiculous, um, mm-hmm. but it's not a great loss. It's a game they probably should have won. But it's not a horrible one either. And then the only thing I have to say about the Suns game is, my God, the Suns are awful. They're really bad. Normally, I'm not a huge fan of, like, stealing from other team, like, other leagues' rules and stuff. But I legit think that relegation should be a thing. (laughs) The Suns and the Knicks and the Bulls and Cavs should be relegated. They should be in, like, the NBA Z League. You know, they, they play each other. They stink. Like, they should just be practicing. You know, they all suck so bad. They sh- nobody should have to watch them. You know, if if their fans really need to see Cavs or Suns basketball, just every once in a while they scrimmage or play each other or something. Like, they should not be – nobody should be making money off watching those teams play basketball because they're did that the, bad. Did the Clippers go to overtime against the Bulls too? Was that, was that an OT game? Uh, I think they won no, in regulation. No, they won in regulation. They definitely went into overtime against the Suns. So the Clippers, against these awful teams, twice they've like had to really dig out wins. And they were down in that the whole game for that Bulls game, weren't they, for the most part. That was a, one of the worst games ever. Mm-hmm. Lou Williams 
had a, a triple double in that game, that Bulls game, and he had a thirty and ten gem in twenty two minutes against the Suns. Yeah, I mean, which... Lou Williams has really been so good. Oh man, most of the season, really, he had kind of a rough start, but. Since then, he's been absolutely incredible. He's been the Clippers' best, most irreplaceable, whatever you want to say, player for most of the season. And I just, I don't know how he does it. I'm finally writing, like, a real article about Lou pretty soon. Uh, Hopefully coming out around Wednesday or so. And what he's been able to do this season is just remarkable. I don't know if it's quite better than last year, because last year he was more efficient. He took more threes and hit more of them. But his passing this season has been even better. He has higher assist ratio, lower turnovers. He's still turnover. been efficient. Ten to one in this. Yeah, he's game. he's been getting to the line more frequently, which is crazy considering he's getting older and presumably slower. I don't know how he does it, but he's he's so good. He had thirty and ten against the Suns in like twenty two minutes. Which Gosh. I mean, the Suns are horrible, but that's impressive at any level. I don't just yeah. absolutely pick them apart and. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much else to say about that. The Suns was like a very much needed destruction of a really shitty team. Yeah. If, like that was just a win. The Clippers just needed to win that one. But seeing them thoroughly dominate the Suns was very nice to see going into the All-Star break. Yeah, but Lou, I don't really have much else to say about that. Lou was 12 to 16 too. Just what a game. Yeah. Uh, the whole team played pretty well. Um, so that was a nice, that was a nice team win from everybody. Uh, Zubat had a nice bounce back 16 and seven. Shea had a nice, nice game, 10 and three and four boards. Um, everyone played pretty well. Montrez was 19, five and four assists. I think Montrez's assist game and his short roll game, his short roll mm-hmm. passing game, probably merits some conversation. Apparently, when the uh, the team was watching the Celtic game on film, they actually like applauded Trez, like his short roll passes, because <laughs> he was so he was so good. He was he found Beverly twi- uh, twice. He had one pass to Shamit, and he and he swung it over to Beverly again. Just really, really good. And and if he becomes like a, he's becoming really good. He's yeah, I think I think we um I don't know if we talked about this. I seen it on, I saw it on Twitter. What is Trez's ceiling? Because he came in and we didn't know he was this good offensively, and then now he's becoming a good passer and he's upped up his game defensively. Granted, it's not game to game, but we've seen that sometimes he can up it defensively to the point where he's legit. He could be like a a decent you know weak side defender and he and he recovers pretty well and he's not the best rebounder just because of his height, but he does impact the game on that end too granted not as consistently offensively do we think Montrez Harrell could be an all-star one day is mm. is that is that a thing probably not <laughs> but I, I mean I how think good could he be in terms of production he probably could be but I still think the size just limits his playing time too much for him to ever get that level of minutes I think on a per minute per minute basis like if he played 35 minutes a game he put up massive numbers. Right. But they're just games like against the Wolves where Zubots was just helpless and they had to play Trez. And Trez did well on offense, but the rebounding is just so bad against bigger teams. Guys like Towns and Embiid, like he just can't get those rebounds. And in general, I think even despite his size, he could be a better rebounder than he is. Um, hopefully that's something else he works on this summer. But, I mean, I think he's a starting level player. I just think due to his height and his position that he can't actually start, 
right. certainly he's, you know, if you think of the 150 best players in the NBA are starting caliber players, whether they start or come off the bench, whatever. He's easily, I mean, he's not even close to top 150. I mean, he's top easily 100. top 100. He's probably yeah. probably towards the bottom of top 75, I'd say. I mean, he's a solid starting level player. I don't think he's going to be an all-star, though. I just, I don't think he's going to get the minutes. Yeah, I don't think so either. The rebounding and defense just, yeah, I, I don't think he'll get there. But he's good, and if he improves his passing and his shooting, he could be a really, really special player. I mean, he's already he's already a lot of the way there. Yeah, and I think the situation with Zubat right now, him getting his foot in, getting 20 to 25 minutes a game, and then probably eventually getting more minutes, it's not the worst situation for Trez. Really quickly, before we move on, I think we... Landry Shamet was was uh was pretty good that last game really mostly because of that first little play he had where he ran circles around the Suns and had a layup that was kind mm-hmm. of a nice thing to see. Shamet starting now. I think we'll talk a little bit about the rotations. Um, I wanted to mention Shamet and I wanted to mention Jamichael Green, who after a pretty bad dud to start his Clipper career, has had two pretty solid games: two of yeah. four from three that last game, eight and seven, two blocks. Uh, what are you thinking about Jermichael Green right now? I think we all agree Shamit should be the starter. Give him all the minutes. Like I think we want to see him playing with Shea. Um, and I'm I'm I was actually not so trigger happy on starting him right away, but now I see it. They should start together. Whether whether Beverly or Temple plays that last swing spot, I'm not certain quite yet, but we'll see. Uh, Jermichael Green has been playing really well. Um, what do you yeah. think about your Michael Green's place in the rotation when we're healthy, considering Luke for some could be coming back and Wilson Chandler, who is kind of your Michael Greenish uh with except he likes this ball stop. <laughs> He's uh what do you think about his place in the rotation going forward, Jermichael Green? I don't know. I mean I don't think anybody really knows what Luke is gonna look like when he comes back if he comes right. back. Right, right, right. I am not holding my breath. Same. I think if he does return, Doc will probably try to get him minutes. But I would not be super surprised if he just got spot stuff, and that's really probably about it. Um, you know, he's been out for so long. This knee injury is just really worrisome just because it seems to just be a bruise that refuses to go away. Maybe there's something more. I'm not sure. Chandler's been mediocre this year. I think he was mostly mediocre last year. And he's also more of a four than a three at this point. Mm -hmm. So is Luke. So, I mean, that makes power forward pretty crowded spot. I would probably play green over both those guys just because I think he fits in a little bit better. But I would not be surprised if he gets pushed out of the rotation, especially by Chandler when Chandler comes back. But it's tricky because, I mean, Green has looked really good the past couple games. He's also a bigger body than the other two guys. So the Clippers already have rebounding issues. The last thing they need is to go even smaller and just give up the boards entirely. So I kind of like him next to Trez Mm -hmm. on the boards and on defense. I don't know. I mean, I think Doc will continue to experiment. The guy who could lose potentially lose more minutes as well is Temple uh, to Wilson Chandler if Doc plays him at the three. But I think really what's going to happen is Sindarius and Ty are going to lose all their minutes unless the team is really struggling and Doc needs to give them a shot of energy. Those guys are going to lose their minutes. 
Green and Temple will probably lose a bit each, and then somehow or other, all of them will get squeezed in. I mean, I think it could be Lou, Temple, Luke, Chandler, Carroll off the bench with maybe Green instead of Luke or instead of Chandler. I'm I'm really not sure, but it'll be tough for Doc to play all three of those guys because they're all kind of the same position. Green is slightly bigger, but they're all fours, I think, at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's more or less what I wanted to talk about as far as those games. Rotation-wise, I mean, I just want to see more Shea. I want to see more more Shamit, Zubat. I'm excited to see all three of those guys playing together, mostly because we've been kind of just devoid of a lot of those spots in the rotation and the starting lineups with uh, with Gortat and Bradley over the mm-hmm. last 50 games or so. So it's really exciting to see Shamit and Zubat in there, especially for Shea's development, especially just in general, because those are three cogs of the future. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as that third spot, who are you liking? Are you liking... Are you liking Beverly to be in that in that third swing spot going forward? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. they need ball handling more than they need a bigger body. And I, Beverly just does so much stuff for this team, even though Temple is, is bigger and maybe on one-on-one is probably a better defender than Beverly. Beverly is better in help. He's a better rebounder, even though he's smaller, much better passer, shot creator. I think it has to be Beverly, though. Against certain teams, if Doc right. is truly experimental, he could do kind of a a rotation of them and and just play one at starting one game and the other starting the next game. But Shamit and Shea are both big enough, even though they're small, just in terms of weight and and muscle, that I think they can get away with playing Beverly with with the two of them. Yeah. Um, we might as well touch on the schedule a little bit before we get to Twitter questions. So there's only two games on docket this shortened weekend uh, of of uh, NBA basketball: Clippers Grizzlies at Memphis on Friday, Clippers Nuggets at Denver on Sunday. The Clippers also have a three out of four games on Monday uh, against the Mavericks at home, and the Mavericks won't be playing a game on Sunday. Um, just for those two games, I guess for now, since we'll be back to talk about the Mavericks game, uh, one and one. Yeah, yeah. sorry. It's okay. At Nuggets is really, really tough. I don't think they're going to win that one. Memphis worries me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really does. I never, ever feel comfortable going into Memphis, even when they're shitty. And, you know, it will just be the Clippers in our luck if Avery Bradley goes off against the Clippers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I would just wallow in despair. I, you know, I could not be comforted. If Avery Bradley scores more than actually, if, if the Grizzlies lose, I don't really care. But if he scores like 15 plus points and the Grizzlies win, <laughs> oh, it'll, it'll be horrible. And realistically, that's a game they need to win. They need to be right. Grizzlies, even right, on the right. road. They, they're mm-hmm. not good. Um, at Denver, if you win it, that's awesome. But I just would not bet on it. I, yeah. I don't think they even Zubots is a better matchup for Jokic, yeah, than Trez or Gortat. But I still don't think he's particularly good. Jokic is just too good at this point, you know, really for anybody to do a great job guarding him. The Nuggets backcourt kind of scares me. Murray is so quick and fast. I don't know if anybody on the Clippers can really cover him, and it's probably going to be Beverly. Maybe Temple gets a shot. I don't know. 
If Harris is healthy, he's a tough cover too with his ability to run off screens. They're just really talented. They're really good. I don't know how great they'll be in the playoffs because I think Jokic is, is their only star, but they're they're much better than the Clippers are. And on the road at the mile high and an afternoon game too, yeah. you have to think that's a loss. That could be a blowout too. Feels like a loss, but they should win that Memphis game. That would be really yeah. bad if they lose that game. And that Mavericks game, we'll see. They should win that game, but it's the second night and a back-to-back, third game in four nights. Ugh. Really, really frustrating. The The Kings are playing at Golden State and at OKC this week, I believe. So, And the Clippers are playing the Kings at the beginning of next month on the 1st, so that's not too far away. So uh, that's the team that's right on their heels. Of course, the Lakers are right there too. I think we can get to Twitter questions, Rob. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I think we only have a few today, which is good. Short pod. Um, first from at Seaburber9, any news on Chandler and Luke returning? I think Ralph said they're supposed to be coming back out yeah. of the All-Star break. That was the report. I still would be much more surprised to see Luke than Chandler. I think Chandler is fairly likely he comes back, if not the first game out, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Luke, I just I would not bet anything on him returning at this point. I just I have no idea. Yeah, same. I just heard that they're both going to be back for practice. I have no clue when Luke's coming back. <laughs> it's just a mystery injury. And yeah. uh, Chandler hopefully comes back. You know, I feel like Chandler can help the team, but we're kind of crowded, and I wonder where he's going to fit. But I'm sure Doc will play him somewhere because he has pedigree, and I'm sure he put up big numbers against the Celtics. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, <laughs> the Luke thing is just it's such a disappointment you know, know everybody yeah. was so excited for the return of the prince and he was such a beloved role player and this season has just been a disaster for him yeah I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he got A's like down the line from all of us from our, yeah. like, our, our round table I was so excited I mean, probably he's a even great him... fit too he is he played and he played a couple of good games which is yeah. the worst he looked good for those games and now what a shame but yeah. we'll see if luke comes back it'll be a pleasant surprise if luke can contribute to this team because he obviously has a spot in the rotation if he's healthy but mm-hmm. just don't know if he's healthy yeah it's, it's a tough look right now <laughs> yeah uh so the next question from at your boy Young Trill is if the Clippers don't land any max level free agents this summer, what's plan B? I think really the plan would be to maybe not run it back. I my guess would actually be that they would go a little bit deeper into a true rebuild. They'd re-sign Zubots, you know, maybe sign a couple of their younger veterans, left let a couple of their older guys go, maybe flip Gallo for assets. But you know, I don't think they're gonna sign Right. any second tier guys to max contracts because they purposely traded Blake away. I mean, there are other reasons behind that too, but like, I don't think they're going to sign Chris Middleton, for example, to a max just on his own. That makes no right. sense. Totally lateral um, compared to Tobias too. Yeah. Lateral move, possibly even, you know, a yeah. slight downgrade. Just, it makes no sense. So if they don't get any max level free agents i'm guessing they do something along the lines of run it back maybe switch things up a little bit you know if they make can make some good lower tier free agent acquisitions i'm sure they will i'd be interested it's technically i'm i'm assuming 
the question is including trades, not just free agencies. So I'm going to assume it's not, you know, Anthony Davis either. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd assume run it back, skew a little bit younger. And, you know, if you can't get a max guy, then really start the rebuild. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I would imagine they're not going to trade all this bad money just to reinvest in new bad money. So yeah. if they can't get a superstar, I would imagine that they would try and bridge this time just with like a decent team, stay cap flexible, be ready for next year when, when either Gallo comes off the books or they trade him for assets and have a ton of cap space, short contracts. Um, it would be nice to semi-run this team back, but... Man, we got we got to strike big either this summer, if not this summer, then next summer. But hopefully, we don't have to wait again because there's been so much hype on trying to get Kawhi this summer. If we get nothing or we don't get any stars, it'll be pretty frustrating to make all these moves like they did this uh, this trade deadline. With the, and I'm sure they have the expectation that they feel pretty good that they're going to get somebody. So let's hope that that happens. If they don't, they're not going to be stupid and just throw away money like the Heat did or the Knicks did or whatever. They're going to, I think they're going to be smart about it, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I really think that they would tr- pretty much do like a semi run it back. Really. Yeah. Keep Zubat, um, develop our young guys and maybe just get some role players. Maybe bring back Beverly, bring back, bring back a couple of these role guys that we got in these trades. Um, Flip Gallo would probably be, a big priority. But yeah. yeah. So that's the next question is from Chris Roberts. What do we do with Gallinari? Trade him for salary relief or package him for a star? You need to package a lot else to get him for a star. It would have to be him right. and draft picks, probably a lot of them. So I think probably if the Clippers think they can get another max free agent guy, which I'm assuming they do, I think he's going to get flipped for salary relief this summer. Yeah, and the idea of Gallinari being in a trade, it's not so much because teams would value Gallinari. They do. He's good. But it's more so because he would just make the contracts match. And um, hopefully, you know, maybe there would be a time where we can get an AD and Gallo would be the big big contract filler and then we would throw picks and maybe a young guy or two for for an AD. I still don't think Mm -hmm. AD is coming. I think AD is just the whole AD situation got crazy over the weekend but um he's just kind of a mess right now but yeah gallo is mostly going to be a facilitator as far as as far as contracts then next year he's just going to be a huge asset as far as him as a big expiring so um i feel like the clippers have some confidence that they'll be able to find a way to flip gallo for for either space or or in a trade for a, a big name guy just as a, as cap filler, but we'll see. Uh, I wouldn't, even if say we got Kawhi and we couldn't get somebody behind him and we started the year with Kawhi and Gallo, I wouldn't be, mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be that mad. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I agree with all that. Um, next question from uh, at JWOP six. feel like you guys answered this last episode, but I can't remember. Is there a realistic feature for Shamit and Jerome on this team or is someone days numbered? I think this kind of depends on whether you're thinking long or short-term future. I think in the short term, I don't think they're in any rush to trade either one of them. I think long-term, they're different types of players, but I'm not really sure they could play together. Like, if you're thinking of a Shea, Jerome, Shamit lineup, I just don't know how that would work defensively. But 
none of those guys is super small. Like it could possibly work, especially if Shea and and Shamit put on a little bit more muscle to guard threes. That could theoretically work, but I'm assuming that one of them is not going to be on the team in like two years. I mean, it's very possible neither of them are because they're gone in trades or whatever, but I don't think both of them are going to stick around for the long haul. But in short term, I mean, I don't think anybody is is leaving anytime soon. Unless yeah. it's for a superstar, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing that a lot of Clipper fans probably have Shamit in their long-term future plans quicker than uh, so quickly, more so than they have Jerome. But you are what you put on the court, man. And uh, I think there was an article on Clips Nation today about how people are getting so hyped on Shaman. It's been a long time since somebody we got so hyped on somebody so quickly. I mean, wait one minute because we got pretty hyped on Jerome Robinson giving us eight points and then mm-hmm. eight points in two consecutive games. Yeah. Just waiting for anything. So uh, I, I think like there's a, there's a, there's an idea that maybe, maybe Jerome is a Lou Williams type, more versatile scorer potentially mm-hmm. than, than a Shamit. But yeah, I mean, hopefully they work together. I don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive, but we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. Yeah, and then a couple really quick hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Owen at Udat Neal, most surprising Clippers player at 60 games relative to expectations. I am going to say Shea. I don't think many people expected him to be quite this good, this impactful on both ends. Um, I mean, I think the other answer is probably Trez, but I'm going to go Shea. Um. Yeah, I'm going to go with Shea for the general public. I mean, I was hyped on Shea coming in, even after Summer League. He just seemed like he had a lot of tools I would translate. Um, but I probably would go with Shea. Yeah, probably would go with Shea. I think a lot of the other Clippers have like met expectations. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think... Uh, let me see. There's one more. Sorry, we're, we only have a minute and a half left. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, from at the Sky Row. How many minutes for Jerome, Shea, and Shamit? Are you willing to let them close games that are in question? We've wanted Shea to close games like all season. <laughs> yeah. And now I think we want Shea and Shamit to close games. Ideally, though, you know, Beverly, Lou has to be in there just about right. every single game. Beverly, probably most games. So it's kind of one of Shea or Shamit. I don't think, unless the Clippers go super small, but I'd love to see them close games. I don't think Jerome is quite at that level yet. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. And I, I think that'll do it for this episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. And as always, go Clippers!